their listeners. This is Avery Smith, your favorite seminary graduate and podcast host, coming to you in the midst of week three of moving hell. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I got all of my stuff packed up to move out of my apartment. Now we're working on packing up all of her stuff at her apartment. And I am very tired of packing things. So getting this episode edited and working on the transcript has been a welcome respite from all of that. Eddie was a couple weeks post-op after top surgery when we had the conversation you're about to hear. As their story unfolds, what really sticks with me is how much their life has changed for the better in just a few years. Addie went from having body struggles to being so happy to get top surgery, from being stuck in a faith group that kept them isolated and fearful to finding a church that welcomes all that they are and welcomes questions and varied beliefs. From being part of a homeschool group with right-wing values to being involved in the LGBT community and the writing community on their campus. I can't wait for y'all to hear about the theology Addie's been cultivating in the past couple of years as they've started reading the Bible in the light of love. I think it's so important for folks who are stuck in a difficult place to get to hear stories like Addie's, stories of hope for the future. Because there is hope, always. Something joyful and beautiful is waiting for you just around the corner. Sometimes you have to fight to get to that place. Sometimes you have to make difficult and courageous decisions, leave certain things behind in order to reach that new life waiting for you. But it's there. And in the meantime, you are not alone. Addie's story speaks to that fact. So let's start the conversation so y'all can hear about Addie's journey in their own words. So I am uh, 19 years old. I am a current undergraduate student at Wetworth University. I'm studying English with minors in French, editing and publishing and journalism. Uh, And I'm still graduating early, surprisingly enough. Yeah, um, only three more semesters left. Kind of crazy. Going to yeah. be an, a real adult soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love reading. I love writing. That's like my thing. Mm-hmm. Not exactly sure what I'm going to do with it yet. But I mean, <laughs> I'm still technically a teenager, so I'm not too worried. Yeah, that's where I was in undergrad, too. Um, I also majored in English and then as well oh, as... But- yeah, I was a major in English and then also in Spanish. And so I was like, these are fun. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll figure it out. Eventually, yeah. You named your college. Where is that, if you don't mind giving the state or whatever? Oh, yeah. I, I live in uh, Spokane, Washington. Um, oh, cool. I'm originally from California. Uh, so it's a little bit different up here. Mm-hmm. Pretty cold in the winter, at least. Pretty hot in the summer, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, I was just in Washington for my honeymoon, so I liked it a lot. Oh, cool. Which part? Um, we flew to Seattle, and then we drove around the Olympic National Park. Nice. That's that's where my fiancé is from, actually, like in that general cool. vicinity. Awesome. So you've got a fiancé. Are they with you um, for the top surgery stuff, or are you by yourself? Yeah, yeah, she's, we we live together. Um, she's like right behind me right now. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's always, I'm, I'm glad you've got someone with you for the recovery stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, I really needed it, especially mm-hmm. like during the first week or so. Mm-hmm. That, that bit was like pretty rough, but like after that, like, I'm like three weeks post-op right now, and I'm feeling great. That's awesome. Yeah. I got top surgery a couple years ago, and it really, like, it's weird because it's, like, it's a small thing, but it really, it changes your everyday life so drastically. 
to like be free of that any sort of like if you have dysphoria or you bind like not having to do deal with that anymore it's really awesome oh my gosh yeah I'm never gonna have to wear a binder again and it's so liberating like you can't like exercise or swim or like (laughs) walk upstairs like that was something that bothered me because like you can't breathe Mm. right yeah and now like ah it's like there's literally so much off my chest right now. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just like you can slip on it, especially when it's really hot in the summer. You can just like slip on a shirt and nothing else. Like, you know, like nothing underneath. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I'm I'm just really happy with life at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, let's see, where do you want to kind of get started? Um, do you want to go sort of chronologically where we start with your childhood and move forward? Or what What are you, whatever you want to do? Sure, chronologically works. Um, okay. Yeah, so I was assigned female at birth. Uh, I lived with my family in uh, California for 17 years of my life. Um, and I had, like, a pretty interesting childhood comparatively. I was homeschooled, for one, so, like, I did not get out much, um, and then my family, religiously speaking, uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly. They're, they went to, like, a non-denominational organization that's kind of, like, a twist between judaism like messianic judaism and seventh day adventism okay um so it's it was like pretty extreme like one of the core tenets of their belief is like if you don't go to to uh church on saturday you're gonna go to hell and whatnot so like yeah yeah it it was like a really toxic environment i i've realized like within the past few years Mm -hmm. and so like that was part of the background. Um, my parents didn't go to the same church, though. My dad went to, like, a different branch of it. Um, and now he uh, he goes to a, a Sunday observing church that's, like, a, like your typical Protestant sort. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, along with that, my, my little brother, David, he uh, had Wiscott Aldrich Syndrome. Um, which is a, uh, it's kind of like leukemia, but like significantly more rare and only people with, uh, XY chromosomes can get it, except there, there was like one case where that didn't happen. Um, and so he was like super sick when I was a kid, which was one of the reasons why my mom chose to homeschool my, my sister and I, um. Oh, yeah, I have three siblings, uh, a sister and two brothers. I'm the oldest. Um, And, yeah, when he was going through treatment, he had to do, like, chemotherapy, um, and he had to have a bone marrow transplant, which left his immune system super compromised. Yeah. Which meant, like, if he got, like, a a cold or the flu or something, it could be life-threatening. So, like my sister and I had to, like, live super carefully and, like, not interact with the other kids for, like, fear that we would get sick as well. Yeah. Um, which would get him sick. So, yeah, it was pretty intense. Um, I don't remember, like, a whole lot of stuff that happened, but, like, I remember him being in the hospital a lot. Like, there were quite a few times where, like, he had some close calls. But, at this point in life, he's, like, completely healthy and recovered. Like, oh, wow. Honestly, it's kind of a miracle because <laughs> that doesn't usually happen with Wiscott Aldrich. Um, mm-hmm. We had, like, the incredible uh, opportunity to have him go to St- Stanford Hospital, um, which is where they had, like, some of the top programs for uh, basically, like, research on Wiscott Aldrich syndrome. And he's, like, a completely normal little boy now. Uh, Well, he's not so little. He's a teenager now, which 
and his voice is dropped, which is crazy <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah. That's how yeah. I was with my little brother. I have a brother who's 17, and I still think of him as, like, 12 years old. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. yeah. So that that was one of the things I would say was, like, really defining um, mm-hmm. in my childhood. Um, once he started getting better, though, my family got, like, more involved in, like, our community of other people who were homeschooled. Um and I was in this homeschool group called Basic, um, <laughs> Bay Area Schools in Christ. Um, oh, okay. And it, it was called that because it was like literally in the Bay Area of California um, near San Jose. Yeah, it was incredibly, an incredibly conservative group of people. Um, yeah. My mom actually ended up leading the group for a few years which like was her her thing my mom's an interesting person (laughs) okay uh she's like the the like really religious person of our family Mm -hmm. like everything that she does is motivated by like the belief she was taught by her parents who are also in like the same sort of faith tradition okay and so yeah, she's she's always been, like, a really intense person, very, I guess, emotional, um, and that, like, applies to her, her religious life, I guess, as well. Yeah, so she, she led that group for a few years. Um, what ended up coming, like, causing her to leave that group was actually me, because <laughs> um, when I was, I want to say 16... I uh, I figured out I was queer. Um, at first, I thought I was bisexual and uh, cisgender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I came out as such. I had a girlfriend at the time um, who was also in our homeschool group. And oh, okay. her, her situation was, like, significantly worse than mine. Like, she had, like, a super abusive family. Oh. And, like, overall it wasn't great or healthy for either of us because we were both just, like, in pretty bad places. Yeah. So, um, when when I ended up coming out slash being outed by some people, uh, my mom uh, got kicked out of her leadership role for, I guess, having a queer child. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it sucks for her, I think, but I think it was also good for, like, my family to start getting out of that environment. Yeah. Um, even though they're still, like, pretty iffy about the queer stuff. Yeah, so my, my, like, teenage years in, uh, high school kind of sucked, honestly. Like, being in that sort of environment, not exactly knowing who I was, Um, I've had, like, a lot of mental health struggles over the years, um, including, like, depression, anxiety, um, anorexia nervosa as well, um, and, like, I had to go through, like, intensive treatment before coming up here for college, Mm -hmm. um, so, like, at this point in life, I'm just, like, so happy to be here and, like, to have made it through all that, um, which is, like, really important to me because like I was at a point in life when I was younger where I was like I don't think I want to be like into my 20s yeah like how could it get better but like it got better yeah and it sounds like in the space of only a few years it's gotten so much better which is I'm so glad to hear that you've managed to um get out of that situation yeah yeah honestly like one one of the like most important things in like my mental and physical health has been like leaving physically and being up here rather mm-hmm. than down there like yeah i was like trying really hard to get better when i was at home but like there's only so much you can do when you're like in a controlling and i guess very judgmental and manipulative environment so like 
leaving and coming up here and making like queer friends and finding yeah. like my own chosen family yeah has been so good especially like since you were homeschooled and you couldn't interact with people outside of your family and your um church um that sort of like that environment is what caused you all this all these like struggles it's hard to imagine recovering in the same place where you got the illness you know oh, like yeah. yeah um Whitworth University is a, a Christian university so I I didn't like expect much when I came mm -hmm. here in like in terms of queer friendliness I knew there was a pride club and that was about it mm -hmm. um but it turns out like for a Christian school it's like pretty chill towards queer people That's um good. yeah i'm actively involved in the leadership for our pride club and we've got like a generation action club black student union we've got a poor people's campaign all sorts of like really interesting groups of people yeah. um that i've like connected with and found like this place of being able to be an advocate for my community that's really awesome. Yeah, for sure. And so on top of doing, you know, all your schoolwork, working on your major and all your minors, um, and being involved in that community life, you've also, I think in your email, you talked about how you're sort of exploring faith more and kind of like trying to rebuild and um, find where you stand with faith. Is that right? Yeah, it's been... It's been a really funky experience. I I didn't really know where to start at first because I was raised in such like a a rigid faith yeah. structure um, where like the services every single day were the exact same format. Mm. Um, and uh, we also like kept the kosher laws uh, in addition to like the Sabbath laws. We also um observe like the the holy days like pentecost feast of tabernacles um i don't know the hebrew names because i don't know it's like an anglicized version of yeah. judaism which was weird yeah like you had mentioned in your email that you're ethnically jewish yeah um, yeah but so how did your family end up in this sort of church community that is very conservative Christian, yeah, even if it I borrows mean, from Judaism. It's a weird story. My my great-grandmother um, came to the United States, uh, like, during the Holocaust, basically. Mm -hmm. She was just, like, a little girl back then, and her family was, like, very, uh, very Jewish. Like, that was super important to them. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, when they came to the United States, my great-grandmother ended up kind of, like, losing her faith um, just because of, like, all the horrible things she saw in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And, like, she was just a little kid back then. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can imagine, like, how hard that would have been for her. So my my grandmother then kind of, like, returned to faith in her own life and was kind of, like, the spearhead of our family going back in that direction okay uh, and she she ended up first like going to like seventh day adventist sort church mm -hmm. um she hasn't like told me a whole lot about her faith journey we're not super close especially like since i've came out okay um but then uh she basically like raised my mother in this like super conservative church environment um the church that we went to is called uh united church of god um and it's it's a really funky church i it's got this like super oh gosh i can't think of the word like when you think like only your group of people is correct yeah and, like everyone else is wrong that was yeah. like the mindset they had there very yeah very narrow view of who is correct and who's going to heaven yeah yeah and it was like 
a pretty large organization. Um, they wanted to call themselves non-denominational, but I guess, like, in a way, like, the entire church was a denomination. Sure, um, yeah. They also, like, were super into, like, prophecy. Okay. Um, so I grew up hearing about, like, the end times all the time. Mm. And, like, basically, like, the world's gonna end, like, within the next 50 years, and everyone has to get their shit together. Okay. Um... Which I guess is technically true if you think about uh, I know. <laughs> the state of our environment. Yeah, it's like, so they might not be wrong, but I still feel like raising children in that kind of, it feels more like fear-mongering than, oh, yeah. than being about like, okay, so we need to like fix the environment and stuff. It's more like, you should be scared and you should be perfect because God is coming and is going to judge you. Yeah, yeah, that was like the thing yeah the the prophecy stuff i i used to be like super into it when i was younger i think because like i've always been interested in like fantasy Uh and like supernatural sort ideas um so it felt to me kind of like the lord of the rings but like actually like real stuff Because I was taught that it was all going to happen. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, there's going to be like a lion with all these different heads and it's going to be so cool. Uh (laughs) That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like I think just the vivid imagery of it really pulls people in. Oh yeah. Like it's kind of cool to be able to say, I know what's coming. I know like to be able to have it, it feels like you have some control over it if you know exactly what's going to happen. Exactly, exactly. And I think, like, that that sort of, like, sense of surety is, like, why so many people, like, are still in that, like, line of faith, even yeah. though, like, it's been so destructive to people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, like, I can understand my family still being in that organization, um, even though, like, technically, they they preach love but like they they don't actually like act it out um i was actually formally like kicked out of the organization uh i'm gonna say like two years ago Mm um i like i was at a point in life where i kind of wanted to start going back to services because like i couldn't find a place to go to church on saturday that like had the right sort of vibes so -hmm. i was like i'll just go back to what i knew yeah um so i reached out to the pastor of the the congregation in the area and he was straight up like unless you change Mm -hmm. your quote-unquote lifestyle you can't you're not welcome and i was like well okay (laughs) so at that point like i started looking into other sort of faith options Um, I started out, like, looking into Seventh-day Adventism because I still was, like, in that mindset where, like, I could only go to church on Saturday Uh because, like, that's the only day, right? It's the Sabbath. But, like, Seventh-day Adventism really isn't any better in terms of, like, queer acceptance. Um, And I, I considered, like, going back to, like, Judaism for a while. I looked into, like, some synagogues in the area, but I also felt like since the the way I was, like, raised had, like, such an anglicized view of Judaism, like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, like, know enough to, like, be involved with that sort of community. And, like, I'm still very interested in Judaism as, like, a part of my cultural heritage. Okay. But, like... I feel like it's not, like, the right thing in terms of my faith at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually, like, I I started talking with um, some housemates I was living with at the the time. And I was like, I cannot find a single church in Spokane that I feel comfortable going to. And so one of my housemates, who was, who I found out was gay as well, um was like hey I go to this church and it's called branches and you should come with me sometime I was like okay I guess um 
Because, like, originally when I heard about it, it just sounded like you're, like, classic evangelical, like, white church where, like, everyone's, like, lifting their arms. And it's, like, I don't know. It was a the sort of church that I was raised believing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, like, you had to be, like, super serious about your your religion. And it couldn't be, like, emotional at all. Oh, I gotcha. So I... I ended up going, and, like, the first service I, I saw was just, like, incredibly moving. Um, they, their basically whole deal is a kind of, like, deconstruction of, like, the Christian faith in a way that you can, like, rebuild it, um, to be more wholesome and like their whole deal is like humanity before ideology so like valuing the the person more than the the tenants yeah basically which was just like a super healing idea for me to experience having come from like this church that was like our our rules are everything yeah like, these are the correct answers, and if you don't believe every single thing on this list, you're just wrong. Yeah, yeah, which, now that I've, like, been out in the world more and had more experience with different lines of Christianity, like, I can see that's, like, a really common mm-hmm. thread. Um, and it wasn't just, like, my church that thought that, like, yeah. I have a bunch of friends who were raised in different like forms of Christianity and they were like exactly the same and so like I got to this point where like if everyone thinks they're right who's right yeah (laughs) like does it even matter yeah Um, and it is like it makes sense that we all sort of want to think we're the correct ones because then you you feel safer you know like it's a security thing to be yeah. able to say, oh, I have all the right answers, so I don't need to worry or question anything. Yeah. And so, like, starting to, like, doubt things, I think, is absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it, like, scared me so much because I came from this this point of view that, like, if I started doubting things, that means, like, in the end times I'm going to die. Yeah. And that's going to be it. And so I just, like slowly began this sort of reconstruction like starting with doubt and being like okay so what I know that basically everything I've been taught could be completely wrong but there has to be like some sort of grain of truth somewhere Mm. and so like I just started with like the god is love sort idea and from there like applying that to like loving people in general and Mm -hmm. like beginning to reinterpret the bible in ways that understand things and in the light of love so like at this point in life i still like keep the kosher laws um but i don't do it because like i think i'll be impure or something if i eat pork or something I do it more out of the lines that, like, God made the rules for a reason, and that reason was, like, out of love, which makes sense. Like, in the time that uh, the the Torah was written, like, the food cleanliness wasn't that great, and so, like, mm. pigs that, like, literally eat shit and stuff <laughs> um, were, like, literally unclean for people to eat. Okay. And so the way the way I see it is that, like, God was just like, hey, hey, kiddos, like, <laughs> don't eat that bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. It's like this loving parent sort of relationship mm-hmm. that I I was, like, never taught about. I was, mm-hmm. like, taught, like, a wrathful parent or, like, yeah. this omnipotent deity that's going to, like, kill everyone um, and, like, already did with the flood so like it's gonna happen again you know (laughs) yeah and that is like I feel like so many Christians we have such a 
like I've, I'm sure I've been guilty of this in the past. We have this negative view of all the instructions found in the Torah, where we say that God gave those rules really arbitrarily. It's just a like, do this because I said so kind of thing, and like a test of obedience. Whereas I like the way you view it more as like, these were given in love um, as a way of caring for the people. Um, yeah. And like following it shows your commitment and your response to that love. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what you were saying about going back and trying to reinterpret scripture through that lens of love. Are there any other um, passages that come to mind that you find that that lens of love really helpful for? I mean, there, there are a ton. Um, like the first things that come to mind are like the slam passages. Yes, yeah. Um, which I am not a super scholar of the Bible. <laughs> Sure. So, like, I can't quote them off the top of my head, but, like, like especially, like, being in a Christian school, one of the requirements to graduate is to basically take at least one theology course. Uh -huh. um, so, in my second semester, I took this course on uh, Bible and gender, Good which was absolutely fascinating. The, the professor, Karen Heller, she was amazing she's a catholic um who like grew up in europe and can speak like i don't know like 20 different languages oh my gosh. yeah she's That's just cool. like this incredible biblical scholar um who knows so much stuff about like languages which i'm like super into so i i just have so much respect for her mm -hmm. and she like basically went through like all these scriptures that say like a like a man shouldn't dress in a woman's clothing or like uh the man shall not lie in the bed of lie in bed with another man as he does with woman or whatnot yeah and yeah. like we we like deconstructed the like original hebrew um and like with this understanding that like it's a dead language it's been rewritten and translated like mm -hmm. thousands of times over the centuries and so like the best way to like really interpret what those scriptures mean is like in the greater context of like what we know about god and what we know about god is god is love mm -hmm. and so like would a god of love tell people that their love is wrong no. Would, would a god of love, like, tell people that dressing in clothes that make them feel comfortable is wrong? No. Like, that's that's not what God is about. God's, like, way more than that. Uh-huh. And that's, that's been something that discovering has, like, meant so much to me, because... I mean, I came from a background where I thought being queer was, like, the ultimate sin. Right, right. Uh, like, A, I didn't understand what it was because I had, like, no sex ed because <laughs> I was homeschooled. Um, but, like, the couple times I, like, saw queer people out in the world, like, once I saw this lesbian couple holding hands by the beach, and I was with some church friends, and everyone was, like, going... Ugh, that's so oh, gross and I was yeah. like oh yeah disgusting yeah I agree with you but like deep in my heart I was like that's not disgusting yeah, like that's love that's adorable yeah and like it was moments like that that like caused me to start originally doubting like what was going on with how Christianity in general treats queer people um, and so, like, as I grew older and I, like, met actual queer people, like, my age and started talking to them, the Tumblr community, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that was, like, key in my development as, as a baby gay. Mm -hmm. Um, just, like, interacting with people and knowing, like, the humans behind these, like, ideas led me to realize, like, everything I knew about queerness was wrong. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Because, like, these people aren't, like, the devil. These people are, like, wonderful. And they're loving and accepting. And, like, treat me better than my own family did. Yeah. And so experiencing that was also super key to me in and understanding like I could be who I am and God's gonna be okay with that yeah that's wonderful um and I agree for me it was definitely like once I actually met real human beings who are impacted by the hateful theology that I had just accepted that's when I realized wait a second this can't be correct yeah Mm -hmm. um you also you mentioned that when you first came out at 16, you thought you were cisgender. Do you want to talk a little about how you sort of um, came into realizing more about your gender? Oh, yeah. Um, so it was definitely a process. At first, like, I didn't even understand what being transgender was. Like, I was like, you can't, like, identify as something you were not born as. That doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But, like, I met actual transgender people and they explained how it was to me and I was like oh okay and then like I learned about what being non-binary was and I was like oh okay this makes sense like Mm -hmm. not feeling like either I can see that because like I had opened my mind to like what being bisexual and pansexual was Mm -hmm. I was like okay you can kind of be both I get that and so I I finally started making the connections like between those ideas and what my own experience has been when I was going through treatment for my eating disorder. Um, I was in a, like a residential place doing like very intensive, like emotional work all the time. Um, and part of that was like talking about your body and how you like feel in your body. And the more I tried to, like, do the whole, like, body acceptance thing, the more I was, like, I can't do this. There are parts of my body that don't feel right. And then I was, like, wait a second. Is this dysphoria and not, like, dysmorphia? And Mm -hmm. so I realized, like, there were the certain parts of my body that I didn't like were because of my, my gender dysphoria. And so I started going by they, them pronouns when I was in treatment. And, like, for the first time in my life, I felt this, like, like click when, when someone referred to me with those. It, it was just right. Like, I knew it from the first moment. And so I've been going by they, them since. Um, and... Yeah, from from there, I I just kind of, like, kept exploring, like, what my gender expression was. Um, I started binding with um, with a binder. Uh, don't use ace bandages ever, kids. Right, yep. <laughs> uh, and, like, then I started feeling, like, really confident, like, that's who I was. And so I started talking to a gender therapist as well and found out that, I did indeed have dysphoria, Mm -hmm. um, which led to me getting top surgery now, and here I am, quite happy in my body. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sure, like, where I'm going to go with transition and whatnot. Uh Um, I've considered hormones, but I I also really like singing, and I'm, like, a second soprano, and I'm afraid, like, well, I know basically for sure if I go on T that I'm going to lose that. So, like, yeah. that's been a factor in my decision-making. Mm-hmm. It's It's been a, a process that mostly, like, involved education. And I just wish that, like, I could have known all these things earlier. And then yeah. I could have, like, known who I was earlier and, like, not went through all this terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um it's like one thing I've figured out is that like the eating disorder I've struggled with for so long was like directly tied to my gender dysphoria. And like, I tried to like, cause like some of the things that an eating disorder can cause is like not having periods anymore or having like smaller ch- test chest 
tissue. Uh And so like, those are things that I wanted. And that's like, the motivation behind my behaviors. And once I figured that out, I was like, oh, I can like, get rid of those things in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And be able to be myself without damaging my body. Yeah. So your eating disorder was almost like a symptom of dysphoria. And so until you found that, until you found the cause, it was hard to treat the symptom. Oh, yeah. Do you um, feel like God is present in sort of how you've come to realize how you view your body and how you've been able to um, work with your body and see it more healthily? I think so, yeah. Um, I guess it didn't really feel like they were there at the time because mm-hmm. like I was at this like really dark space in my faith journey yeah and I was like okay I'm just doing all this for myself by myself like it was all like independence independence mm-hmm. um that was like my motivating thing but now like in retrospect I can see like how everything like connects in this like bigger way and how like meeting the people that I met at the specific times that I met them and like being able to have specific conversations with like different therapists and uh, different like other queer people was like, like it's more than coincidence. Like it happened all for a reason and I can see like how God was there. And especially like in the past year or so when I've been like, starting the process of getting ready for top surgery like everything like clicked in this like really miraculous way in which like I feel like God has been telling me all this time that like this is who you are and you get to be this and like I love you for for who you are oh wow that's so beautiful I'm so yeah. glad you've been that you've been able to see that um, God's work in your journey so far. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that part of? I know um, one last thing you mentioned in your email is that right now you're you um, are kind of going with the title of Christian mystic. Um, yeah. When did, when did you sort of first decide that you liked that label, and do you still consider yourself that? Yeah. I, I've kind of just like continued to experiment with, with my faith at this point. Um, right now, actually, I've been researching like witchcraft and like how that can be used as like a way to get to know like divinity better. And like also as like grounding techniques for mental health. Yeah. Um, Because, like, obviously one of the core beliefs of uh, Christianity is that anything but Christianity is wrong. So, like, this paganism sort idea Mm -hmm. is, like, bad. And so I've, like, had the opportunity to interact with some people who, like, identify as, like, Christian witches. Mm -hmm. Um, One of whom is uh, Kevin Garcia. Oh, cool. do you do you know of them? Yes, I do. Yeah, I I, like, I haven't I met them. So, so you've met Kevin Garcia? Yeah, they came oh. to my my school. And no way. I know. It's yeah, cool. it was so I'm cool. I'm gonna have to tell my wife. She also follows Kevin on Twitter. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's they exciting. They are an icon. I yes. I have so much respect for them. Yeah. But like, I they they were like one of the people who kind of like helped me understand like the connections between like how like the spirituality practices can like be a part of your Christian faith and like that's okay I I would say I'm just like in the experimental phase of it I'm not sure if like it's gonna be my theme or not but Mm -hmm. I think it's just so cool being able to like see people like able to integrate these different like forms of spirituality into this like one cohesive thing because like I think like at the core like all faith traditions or like even like believing in a greater power like Mm -hmm. there is something there 
And, like, we're all just reaching for that something in our own ways. Yeah. Um, is there anything we haven't discussed that you wanted to get to? Um, let's see. Oh, one thing was you mentioned poetry. Oh, yeah. Yes, I I do have a poem here. Um, I wrote it uh, right after I got baptized, um, which was on uh, November 11th last year. Okay. Um, which is like a very, I guess, like emotional and monumental experience for me because um, I had never been baptized yet. My mm-hmm. church was like of the belief that like you have to be an adult to get baptized and like there was all this stuff you had to check off um and so I was like you know I think I'm ready at this point in life and I think that I've been ready all along like this like rule stuff is kind of ridiculous (laughs) um and I I started talking with the pastor of our church, Mike, and I was like, I'm not exactly sure how to do this because, like, our, our, like, sort of church doesn't really do tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, And baptism is, like, a really traditional thing. And so I was like, I want it to be, like, a non-traditional tradition, if that makes sense. Yeah, cool. Um. And I feel like that's exactly what it was. Um, it it felt to me less like, I don't know, like the marital commitment that I was taught it was and more like like a, like a re-rejuvenation of something that was already there. Like being able to say that I've I've come this far. And I'm willing to go further sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, being able to embrace God for who they are in their entirety. And understanding, like, how infinitely expansive they are. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I wrote this poem called Washed, comma, Dirty, period. Cool. All right. An honor, a privilege. I'm 12 years younger than Jesus was. My body, an earthquake, a flesh suit. I promise I will care for you, new temple. Look out for the spider eggs, said the pastor. Yes, I replied. I see them and I swallow them. Now see <laughs> Wow. I really liked that. Thank you. It was so short, but, like, I felt like I was there. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, that specific poem is uh, p- published in uh, the, the undergraduate journal of my school called Script. Sweet. Yeah. Is there anywhere else, if folks are interested in reading more of your poetry, anywhere they could go for that? Yeah. Um, so I'm on, I'm on Instagram as a at P's period and period poetry. Um, and I'm also published in the Fruit Tree Lit Magazine, cool. um, which is like this super cool queer magazine. Y'all should check it out if you're into yeah. queer poetry. It's so good. Okay. Yeah, I love poetry, so I'll definitely make sure to check all that out. Um, cool, thanks. Yeah. And then usually the last question I ask is if you have any sort of like parting words of wisdom for the listeners. I want to say don't ever be afraid to doubt. Doubt is such like an important part of believing. You can't have belief without doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't be afraid of like the gray liminal spaces um, because that's all part of the journey. And anyone who says differently is just wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, you're always going to not be completely sure. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's, that's what life is about. It's about being able to explore 
Um, and for anyone who's, like, stuck in an awful, like, manipulative sort of Christian or any other sort of faith tradition space, like, you can get out. It'll get better. There are so many communities where you're going to be able to find love and acceptance for who you truly are. So many thanks to Addie for coming on and sharing some of their story. And thank you, listeners. If you are interested in supporting my work, check out Queerly Christian on Patreon. I'm going to take a moment to plug some of the stuff I've been doing in the past two weeks. I've finally gotten back into the swing of responding to people's questions on queerlychristian.tumblr.com. And I have also started posting a daily devotional on there as well. A lot of the devotionals will come out of Chris Glasser's 1994 text, The Word is Out, which takes one Bible passage a day and applies an LGBT lens to it. Over on my other Tumblr blog, aqueerseminarian.tumblr.com, I have so many Tumblr blogs, y'all. It's a problem. I've been posting some of my findings while reading works like Leslie Feinberg's Transgender Warriors. As to more work on this podcast, I've been working on finishing up transcripts. Um, You can access the ones I've finished so far by going to transchristianity.com slash podcast. I've also reached out to a few people to see if they are interested in coming on the show because I need more people to interview. So if you are transgender and are part of one demographic or another that you feel that other interviewees on the show have yet to fulfill and you would be interested in being on the podcast, please reach out to me. You can email me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. So, yeah, that's some of the stuff I've been up to, and that you can support by becoming my patron at Queerly Christian on Patreon. I want to thank some of my current patrons, the magnificent people who are supporting me at the $12 level or higher, Ron Hartzler, Rosina Page, and Willow Hoven. Thank you, all my lovely patrons. Even if you don't have money to spare right now, you can also support me by telling other people about this podcast and by rating and reviewing it on iTunes or other platforms. I would love for this podcast to keep on growing, and that will only happen if you lovely listeners do your part. So go, go do that. Rate and review and share this podcast now. And after you've done that, get out there and break some binaries be a blessing to the world with your life.